It can't be that time of the week again. It is. It's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jodie Rainsford and David Hellard. Hey, two batters! <laughs> oh, oh, no, the trouble is, we've, we're recording the intro before... So after we've done the interview, and at the end of this podcast is some of the greatest news you'll ever hear. Oh, Not if you're just listening. If you're listening to this because you want to hear Ronda Marie, then yeah, it's irrelevant news. But if, as a do better community, oh boy, oh boy. Yeah, have we hyped is, it enough? This is <laughs> this is yeah. This is a very um, like time confused podcast, but but it's a brilliant one. So <laughs> stick with it. We've got we've got an amazing interview with Ronda Marie, and then we have some amazing news afterwards. So let's not do a twenty. Well, normally we'd spend twenty minutes uh, talking with each other, um, but I think we should go straight into the interview with uh, with Ronda Marie because it's an well, absolute well, firstly, cracker. Oh, go on. Before we do, we're doing. We'll just say who we are because there might be one or two people listening who've never listened to this this show before because they because Ronda Marie is such a legend and they want to uh, want to hear about what she said. But we are the two. The bad. One shot. We're the Bad Boy Running Podcast. Hi, I am David Hellart, and I'm Jodie Rainsford. And essentially, if you've not listened to us before, we're like Wayne's World, but for running. Yeah. Um, we've got some number of sponsors. <laughs> do, do we? <laughs> we haven't but, got um... any sponsors. But this is this is quite a, a relatively serious podcast compared to the other ones that we have. So um, if you if you if you've enjoyed this one with uh, Ronda Marie, give a give a listen out to the the Robbie Britton interview or the Susie Chan interview. They're really really good, and they ease you into the do better style rather than going full throttle into a non-interview one, which will make no sense to you at all. But uh, you'll get a taste of some of the themes at the end of this podcast. Because, uh, oh, I, I want to say it. I want to say, say it. it. You can't say it. You have to be quiet oh. until, the, until this oh. is so so it. Before you say it, let's go into the interview with Ronda Marie. Well, this is, um, we asked many, many months ago on the podcast for people to suggest guests to come on the show. And uh, in typical do better style, we, we typically have ignored all <laughs> yeah. of the requests. You, it's <laughs> like, you, you thought we'd forgotten. And we had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd um, I messaged uh, I messaged Ronda Marie quite quite a while back, and because of the beauty of Facebook, if you're not friends with someone, it's very hard to actually see the message. So about six months later, she messaged back, going, "I've only just seen this. Yeah, I'd love to come on." So um, I think it was Andy Parry who specifically had asked to for us to to try and get Mon, Mon, uh, Ronda Marie to come on the podcast. If you've not heard of her before, just Google her. Everything I've read about her, everything I've seen about her is brilliant she's probably the most badass person we've ever had come on the show um so welcome on the show welcome Marie. thanks for having me good morning good morning good morning yeah for the uh, for the listeners at home it's currently four in the morning in canada where uh ronda marie's base what what are you doing up normally at this time then normally i start with a cup of tea and then stretch and then run and then you know the stuff that you you kick your day off with. What? Do so you typically run at four in the morning, do you? Well, guide runners don't fall off the tree, so um, I can see better in the dark, and this is when I can run alone. 
Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, and, and is that partly because there's there's less cars on the road, things like that, or just the light is more consistent? Or definitely, there is a benefit in the fact that there's less cars on the road. But um, I definitely I could handle it if it was if it was this dark. And well, assuming they had their headlights on. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I'm well, going to I'm, I'm gonna ask a really, really ignorant question um, because I have no. I love idea, ignorant questions because I, I've, you know, I have absolutely no idea about people who, who run when they're blind. So, what what can you actually see then? What is what you know? If if, if, if you were born with eight percent sight, what what does that mean that you can see? Is that silhouettes or shadows or, or how how much? I have this opinion that most people think when you say eight percent, like if you took a page. Right. Yeah. And that was 100 percent that you would just color in 8 percent of it in probably in one spot and that that's what they think I could see. But I have the full field of vision, but only 8 percent of what you would get in each sort of frame of that. And it's very light dependent. So I have no cones, no daytime vision. So yeah. if I'm seeing anything during the daytime, it's filtered through rods. So you can imagine, you know, driving at night and you're, you're doing okay. And then the car comes towards you and this big bright light. And then when they're gone, you've got a few seconds of, whoa, where am I kind of thing. Um, and that's pretty much me all the time. You, you've got some things, but it's not clear and it's not focused. And, and I can't really tell you, um, cause I can't compare it to what yeah. you, what your normal is. Yeah. Uh, it's no color. So any time you you were talking about googling, anytime you see pictures of me, I'm wearing things that don't match all. But I think. <laughs> don't tell like you don't, that, don't you don't worry. tell people that you say that's intentional. That's yeah. <laughs> it kind of is. I've gotten to a place in my life where I think color is wonderful. I'm going to wear it all, all at I, once. I, all I just thought you were a fan of the, the fresh prints. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> that's what it was. But <laughs> and so, how did you get into running then? I mean, it seems like the the most foolish thing to do. Um, oh, totally, because I was, I was so, uh, my my son, he was a year old at the time and pretty intense, I guess, more needy than my other two children. And, and I felt, okay, I need to take some time for myself here. I need to center and focus and come back with a better, clearer head. And then I can figure out how to help him more. And uh, I, I remember suggesting um, that I should start running, and the reaction was, oh, I'm so sorry, that won't work for you. <laughs> really? <laughs> so <laughs> if you learn anything today, it's don't tell me that I can't do something. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, wow, so it's more reactionary than uh, that's kind of forced you on. That's right, that's right. And so do you typically run with, uh, do you need guide runners most of the time then, or can you train where um, you are because you know your route? Or? So I do have forest within about two kilometers of my house, and I have run that alone. There's a, a good maybe 15 kilometers of switching back and little zigzaggies I can do, and I've run it all alone before, but definitely those are, you know, when you're more angry, I just need to get out, leave me the heck alone moments, and it's terrifying, right? Every step is, am I going to fall? Oh, my God, I'm going to fall, I'm going to fall, I'm going to fall, I'm going <laughs> to, oh, there's a tree. But I would say if I'm going to be out in the daytime, I should have a guide. Okay. And were you were you like sporty before? Did you do? Could you do like any sports stuff? Like, or did you just decide? Okay, I I just want to go out running. Running seemed to be the thing that I I want to do. I didn't really do anything before. I mean, in high school, we had to. I went to a residential blind school for the blind, yeah. and I did. Um, we said they said cross country or swim team. I went to the swim team. Um, they told me I couldn't wrestle because it was just a boy's sport, so I wrestled. 
(laughs) (laughs) Goalball. I'm not sure if you know what goalball is, but um, where you're blindfolded and you kind of fling yourself on the ground in front of balls that have been whipped at you with bells inside of them, right? That kind of thing. But no, I've never been in a sort of a cardio endurance kind of athlete, more just a a pot stirrer. (laughs) Well, you see, I mean, you seem to have taken to it very, very well. Do you think that's a natural... Um, you just got natural ability, or is it because you, you, you seem very stubborn? Is it just pure? It's definitely <laughs> just the stubborn. I'm not very not very good at it at all. I'm not a fast runner, and I think when I ask people to guide for me, they're they're playing that game in their head, right? I have a series of maybe six guides I will routinely ask, and they're all playing this sort of balancing act. What's my training need from me? Can I afford a slow run with Rhonda? And then I'm even more appreciative that they've taken time to to help me because you know a 10k with me on the trail could take an hour and a half versus I know they could go out and whip it off on their own in an hour so how does it work then how do you if I was going to be a guide if I was going to run with you what would I need to do and then how would we work together assuming we're on trail because it's a very different on road Mm. um you would run maybe one or two paces in front of me I try to land my foot where yours has just come up so the timing tends to be something we have to work on um and if there's a route that's coming straight across the middle, then you'll say route middle. If there's a step up on the other side of the route, you'll say step up route. Um, if the route's kind of coming in at an angle, you say route left to right or route left to middle or rock down. Or if there's a type of rock, like if you can tell it's coming up and it's been raining and it's slippery and it's a very rounded rock, then you'll you make a point of making that known to me. But it's very quick. It's like if you don't say it, as you're stepping on it, I'm going to miss it. And my memory has to be for not the step that I'm stepping on, but the step that's coming up. Right. So I, I think I can, I think I can remember about three steps ahead, but as you're into the miles, you know, after probably, uh, I don't, I'm going to say 10 hours, that tends to be (laughs) way less. It's like, Oh no, I I can't remember. We have to just walk so I can clear my head a bit, but it's, if you were guiding me for a longer period of time, you'd find that it would come faster and easier and the things that you would call would would change because at the beginning I'm reacting to your reaction, right? So yeah. if you're ducking to a tree, um, you your voice would change just because the height of your head has, has gone down in time and space, right? So I'll know, okay, no, nope, I've got to duck here. Um, oh, when you step down at the same time, and maybe you only called one of those two things. It's kind of a quick sort of adjustment. Um, people who have guided me fairly often, they start telling me stories at the same time, which is always funny because then the story becomes, so one guy I root down, step, met this, one time I met this guy, Tom, oh, tree right. And then we, we went for a run on the, <laughs> the escarpment, oh, duck down there. And like, it's just interspersed with all these, yeah, by the end. But you're wondering, what was that story about? I don't really remember. So I guess long distance running is then, is quite mentally draining as well as, as physically. People tell me that they can go for a run to kind of clear their head. And I laugh. Like I just, <laughs> I go for a run because I can't possibly think of anything other than not dying every step. So yeah, yeah, so I hear you. Different. I hear you. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, that's, so, just but how that's just how Jadie runs. Yeah, exactly. Run. I know. The, um, <laughs> but why, so why did you, why did you choose trail then over say like track or, or, um, or road racing or something like that? Because it seems that you, you would be able to, you, you you probably have a little bit you know a bit more time and and, and everything. Why 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 was trail an important 
thing for you to be able to do? Is it the variety? Because it seemed like you've just added another layer of difficulty onto, onto, onto what you're yeah. doing. And that's exactly what you wanted. Um, it wasn't always trail. I, I was running road and I would find, you know, you'd be in the back of the pack to the last finishers. And right. um, so for vision impaired to go to Boston, you have to have five hours or under. I qualified with a 459.53. So wow. that... <laughs> squeak that put me into boston in 2013 so that kind of just tipped the scale to the i don't really like the fact that the cars are moving 10 10 times faster than i can get out of the way because i definitely have been smoked by cars before oh, running really? okay and um then boston just left a, a kind of a bad taste that year and i went I went back the year after to conquer some some demons but i think Somewhere in there, I ruptured an eardum at the same time because my kids were sick. And you know how kids share their snotty stuff everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And I couldn't hear the cars. So I remember thinking, like, the whole time I'm running on road, this is, this is crazy. Why am I doing this? Because now the things that are moving 100 kilometers an hour are not only invisible, but I can't hear them coming. So I went to trail, and it was very basic trail, right? Your little community path. It was gravel. But at least you're off the road, and uh, and then um, I just fell in love with it because the trees. After a while, if you stay on the same trail over and over again, they just kind of talk to you a little bit. And I think uh, you, because I, I I think you you get to learn your landscape. Yeah. Um, I've run the Bruce Trail from end to end here in Canada, and I would say after after about day ten, when I was done being angry at the trail, it was definitely. <laughs> Definitely easier to navigate through the, the escarpment rock and all of the major ups and downs because you're more in tune with what's going on than I would ever be if I was on road. And I'm not fast enough to, for track. So. <laughs> how, many times, how many times did you say you, you fall over an hour? Is it common? Is it quite rare? It's actually pretty rare. I, um, I've taken two big falls on trail. One, because I was pretty ticked off at a guide and I ran ahead and tripped over a rock. And two, because, two because um, I didn't know who was guiding me and I was running in a group. And I was just kind of zigzagging, oh, maybe I should follow that voice, no, this voice, no, oh, I'm down. But usually you're going to find the rocks and roots and places to fall away before I am. I just don't step there. And you mentioned to uh you mentioned in the group that we should go out and try a blindfolded mile oh my did you do that i didn't awesome. do a blindfolded mile i did about the things i used to, when i was a kid i don't know if anyone else has did this i maybe i was just a bit weird at times i just shut my eyes and walk um because it was so exciting <laughs> it felt a bit like that <laughs> for about for about three meters i've been thinking oh this is this is exciting and then i'd forget what i was looking at because um, I, w- I didn't have anyone with me. And, because your brain um, tries to paint this picture, right? right? Well, you, yeah. I, I, I was in my local park, Clissold, which I feel I know the park very well. I, I've done 20 mile one laps around there before. So I have been on every inch of that park. But um, yeah, within about five metres, I just got so scared. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, I, um, and people, yeah, I don't know what people were making of me but it was very obvious that I was acting like a fool um so yeah it's incredibly hard um I, I and that's just, on tarmac 
Yeah, I just don't know. I, it's, the, it's that trust thing of, of trusting the person that you are running. Because I was thinking, oh, that would be a great idea for us to do. And then, you know, I could do a mile with David and then David could do a mile with me. And I was thinking, there's absolutely no way I trust David to, <laughs> to run a mile with me. He, he would organise to go across the most ridiculous route. I'd be going in water. I'd be going in everything. So that that trust element must be a, a, a huge thing. But some of the some of the, the people who guide you, you, you don't know before you you run with them is that is that right that's true that's very true I've definitely and not just running like um tethered open water swimming right and I don't know the person and I'm tying myself to them and then we're going open water open water swimming yeah where where do you tether on your (laughs) (laughs) it's high around your waist right okay oh wow do you you use a camel toe is that is is this (laughs) oh no um well, so this how have is you the got products this in? I'm always pushing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you a camel toe. You can then use that. It's a, it's a way of, t- of towing each other, you see. Um, where have you done open water swimming then? Um, Lake Ontario, just kind of for a triathlon. Some enclosed lakes here around. And um, Georgian, Georgian Bay, just for a little bit here and there, which, by the way, is freezing. Um, so in so you've done cycling be- as well? Yeah, tandem bike. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Um, oh, that I, must be quite a relief in some ways after the swim. You know, it's hilarious. When I get on the tandem bike, I don't have to think at all, right? I just pedal. And I'm just so back I assume you at the back. You're not. Yeah, you're not the I'm at the back <laughs> yeah. and I'm just swimming away. And then, you know, That's... the pockets on the back of the bike jerseys. I'm I, I'm putting my snacks in the, the captain's pockets. I'm like eating and we're going. <laughs> They're like, pedal hard. I'm like, but I'm having so much fun. And that's all I can do is... I imagine that's what it's like to zone out on a run. Just that's, that's, a, that's a typical. That's a typical cyclist. You know, not think and <laughs> pedal. That's uh, as from from our experience. Um, that's hilarious. Yeah, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, but so so with so that with people guiding you, have you ever had a situation? Because you've mentioned mentioned in the group that you've had like experiences where some of your guides have have smelt bad or um, or situation like. That. Have you ever had a situation where? you've been too fast for your guide runner and you, you sort of have to leave them behind or anything like that? Um, maybe once. Maybe once I've been not paired well for speed. <laughs> but I would say 99% of the time it's the other way around, right? And they're the ones that are tapping their toes waiting for me. And, oh, really? Um, I imagine that's frustrating after a while. But they're usually very kind. But I've never actually left uh i've never left a guide because they've been too slow ever i think i think it's usually if a guide is struggling it's because they've got some ache or pain right like we're 30 miles into a run what's what's bothering you and that's my (laughs) job i'm a massage therapist so that's when we're lying on the side of the trail with my elbow dug into their hamstrings oh nice um and maybe once on a road run i have been faster than a, a, a person i've been with but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna take off it doesn't doesn't i I think if you guys run together and one of you's having a better day than the other, you're not going to just go, right? And I'm not racing and competing like that. It's not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But is it, so? Do you do you still do you like when you're um, when you're getting ready for race? Do you still like do what's your what's your sort of like training program like, or do you just go out and run? What's the do you do do you do speed work or uh, do you just do long runs or you know how how does it look like during the week when you're when you're when you're getting ready for a, a race or something when i'm doing speed work there's this voice in my head that's screaming the entire time right? <laughs> 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 um i prefer hills over speed because right. they're safer for me for sure yeah 
there's a, a loop around my block. It's a mile, and there's a hill. It's a, and at the bottom of the hill, there's a, a fire hall. So we call it a fireman hill. So I'll go out and do fireman hills. And um, from so it's a mile loop, and you do 10 miles or whatever, that kind of thing. Try and I have also, I've got like a set of 80 stairs to a couple of feet up the the sidewalk so I run around the block and run up and down the stairs run around the block run up and down the stairs twice run around the block run up and down the stairs three times run around the block try not to fall down the stairs that kind of thing um I am brave enough in the dark to drag my spare tire around I don't do that in the daytime <laughs> even with a guide <laughs> it's kind of a comical thing to watch that's not gonna lie um I I would say you have to fit that running around your schedule. So whatever you can manage is what you try and do. I think the, the biggest issue is is not to, to feel guilty about not fitting in the best workout, right? Yeah. It's be most effective in the time you have. So if you only have time for a 10K, make it a good 10K. Make it, and, I, and I'll know if I need a tempo run, I call this guide. If I need a speed work run, I call this guide. Oh, okay. I just want to zone out and I, I want to plug my headphones in, yes, I run with my ears plugged, then I stick to a route I know really, really well. I stay close to home and I go stupid early in the morning. Like any time before 5 a.m. is stupid o'clock as far as I'm concerned. Wow. So, so, so you're, I guess you set your your hours of, of being awake based partly on running then. Is, is that right? Oh, my goodness, yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that's brilliant. So the um, we've, we've, had, we've heard of these challenges that you've been doing. Now – they're they're not so well known in the UK. Um, so the Bruce Trail you mentioned earlier mm-hmm. is Bruce, yeah. Tell us about the Bruce Trail. The Bruce Trail runs from Tobermory all the way down to St Catharines. It's uh, eight hundred and eighty-five kilometers long. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So just a, yeah. just just a quick run out then. That's right. <laughs> if you don't get lost, right? Um, it's, that was the summer of. 2014 i had 50 different guide runners come out and help support because it's a blaze trail so white markers on the trees and that gives you the direction you have to go in and you have trail maps right in a book or whatever but the person who's calling out the stuff in front of them on the ground or the fact that it's all escarpment rock and you could fall you know on 200 feet to your to your left they they can't focus on the blazes on the trees because it's hard to look up and look down at the same time so there'd be someone in front of them scouting the trail out which way we're turning and or someone in behind just you know trying to help out so that took about 20 days so we definitely went to bed every night at a billet's house and uh covered a trail marathon or more every day whoa which wow on the escarpment rock was interesting for me i'd never been on anything that technical and i know it's really not that technical but um, for me, it was. Um, so they you tell had me to that, scramble at times then. Yes, yeah, and climb ladders up cliffs and <laughs> yeah, through caves and. And yeah. is is it the type of trail that if you you can get lost quite easily, you actually have oh, to hunt out the path? I think if uh, well, it's really well blazed. They take a they take a really you know hard stance on making it so. But we definitely did get lost, I'm going to say maybe four times. And it, it wasn't wasn't a big loss, maybe four kilometers max. But you'd come out onto a road and the blaze would say to go straight. 
So you'd cross the road where it said, and then you couldn't find the blaze to go back in because there was one blaze missing, right? And then you, after an hour of searching, you'd find it on the back of a mailbox. So <laughs> <laughs> it'd go back in on the other side. Um, there was one section of road where I, the, the, there's a lady that lives there that doesn't like the fact that the Bruce Trayer goes on the road for 50 meters. So she covered all the blazes. She painted oh, over them. So you have no idea where you're going. I... But um, and, and landowners might take away permission because other hikers haven't kept their dogs on leashes, which scared their cattle or something. Yeah. So when that happens, if they haven't had a chance to reblaze, then you've got this, where do I go now? Um, there's side trails. The side trails are blue markers on the trees. Well, that's white to me, so it's a good thing they never let me know <laughs> where we're going. Wow. And, and say you're on a long run, because there gets a point where you might hit the wall or you, you get real exhaustion. And sometimes you have to walk. Sometimes you really struggle through as a runner. Do you? Is that doubly hard for you because of the mental fatigue and having to have the concentration as well? Like, do you get to a point where you think, "Oh no, this is quite dangerous now," or do, do you find it second nature? There's there's been many times when it's been pretty pretty dangerous because I'm not paying attention. I can't. And I think I'm smart enough. I definitely have called it before. I went to Kettle Moraine um, a couple of years ago, uh, and in the middle of the night. I think guiding is, I require way less in the night on the trail, but I, I needed to hear it, right? I needed to hear step up, step down, move here and move there. And I had to actually say, we, we have to stop. We have to stop. Just let me stand still for a minute because I'm not hearing you. Right? It's like being at a Pink Floyd concert, concert for hours or just your heads. Just, I can't give me some, give me a minute. And then you take, you take your, you know, your vitamins to pick yourself back up or you drink some Coke or you eat something else, right? I mean, mental fatigue is your, your first sign of, I need some sugar. So, yeah. and, and you have to keep it fun because if, if you lose that, then it, it's way harder to stay awake. Yeah, one, one, yeah absolutely. One of the, um, the batters asked a question, which is quite sort of relevant here. Um, Gemma Harris, how, how do you keep your mind occupied when you're running that far without like negative thoughts creeping in? There's very little time for anything other than paying attention. There really, really is. But again, if we're doing like a loop course, I can run alone after I've learned the, the loop, especially after dark, right? So um, there's a race, or I, think, I guess I, it's done now, but there's a race here in, in Ontario. It's called the Dirty Girl. That's an AK <laughs> up and down this switchback dirty, you know, little mountain bike trail. And um, you come out into this field where your camp is and you see people again. And I have run that alone at nighttime. And I guess when I'm alone, I'm remembering everything that had been called to me in previous loops, right? So I've done that for a 48-hour race before. I just go round and round and round. And at both night times, I was on my own. Mm. Um, and I think that's when you can slide into this this negative. Uh, I think you have to give it time. You have to embrace the fact that it's it's a piece. It's a part, right? It's it, I am enjoying the view. I'm enjoying this race. I'm enjoying these people. I'm, oh, well, that's crappy. <laughs> okay. And acknowledge it. It's a it's a part of it, and then find some other thing to think about. So we always talk about this. Wait ten minutes because in ultra running, everything will change yes. in ten minutes, right? Yeah, absolutely. 
And if you feel great, wait 10 minutes. You're about to feel like crap. It's just <laughs> this is the way it's going to be. I've never known that. Don't tell me that. Because next time I'm feeling great, I'll just be thinking, oh, no. Oh, that's it. Yeah. If you're feeling, if you're feeling good, don't worry, it'll pass. That's the uh, that's, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, the, yeah. that's the other rule. Yeah. 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 Soon <laughs> so I think my best response to that, my biggest negative thought is that I'm always slowing people down, and it's very difficult for me to remember they've come to guide me. It's not that they're coming to race their own race, right? And mm. yeah. I have to remind myself it's it's okay. They knew this coming in. Because if you've been watching the Paralympics, the the, the the sprinters with their guide runners, it's amazing. Amazing. Because they actually have to physically be stride by stride almost. Um, mm-hmm. They've got to practice it all. And uh, and obviously the Brits, we, we'll follow anything that we do well at. So people are obsessed with Paralympics the uh, last few months because we seem to be the only people who were really trying, it seems. <laughs> but, um, yeah, um, how how would you get into doing that if you're if you're a runner and you want to become a guide runner? Uh, here in Canada, we have a group called Achilles. I think you've got Achilles International um, somewhere close to you. And I know that I mean the UK is the biggest place I know for having blind sports. I see you guys all on Twitter. Like there's ten. I think there's a million different ways you could but yeah. there are different organizations that will actually hold workshops of how to teach you um how to guide run and and then they they'll pair you up with different athletes who are uh, learning how to run too so when i started it wasn't just walk one minute run one minute walk one minute run it was walk a minute run a minute while listening to someone else talk to you about what's coming right so yeah so, so uh, just, going, just going back to like the Bruce Trail thing. Um, this, when you were doing the Bruce Trail, there was you had a, 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 a sort of documentary crew following you as well. When yeah. You, when you were doing that, um, what was what was that experience like? Knowing that this was all going to be filmed, so you know every every stumble, every time you got lost, even like your like your dark moments and stuff were all gonna all gonna be captured on film. Because I imagine you know that as an ultraman, you're going to go through like highs and lows, but actually having that captured might be um, just to make, make you feel even a little bit more vulnerable. So I've seen the film and at the time you think I'll tell them it's hard, but I'm not going to show them my huge shadowy self. Right. Yeah. I think I'm keeping this to myself. And when I watch it, I think, Oh wow. <laughs> I, was, I was miserable. <laughs> um, but it, I th- the the woman that that did the film she she didn't come a lot on the trail she did occasionally but yeah. um, the GoPros went with all the guide runners right so mm-hmm. what went back to her was based on what they felt like filming that particular day or that particular segment and um, if something was was really horrible I would definitely say you know please turn that off for a right. minute or whatever but there really wasn't many times that that had to happen. I have to pee. Please turn that off. That kind of thing. So. <laughs> it's not. It's not that detailed. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, but it, it's it's interesting to watch because a lot of it you miss. You're in your own little world. This is the big thing that you're doing, yeah. and there are 50 people involved and crew and volunteer. And I didn't see a lot of that. Right. I didn't didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. And to go back and see some of that's pretty. It's pretty telling. And I I would to sum up the whole kind of aspect of their side of things, it's patience, right? Yeah. And I don't think that's just a disability thing. If you're going to help someone get through something big, patience, patience is huge. 
So, so how can is that something online that we, anyone can the UK can see, or how can we? You can see snippets. Um, Get Out There magazine hosted a 12-part web series. I think it's on YouTube, and they're like five minutes long. You can see snippets. That's not the documentary. That's just what they um, started to do to promote it. The film has been making the circuit on film festivals here, and we'd love to come over. You can invite us. I'll get my teleport machine out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could do a do better um a do better evening certainly in london and put on a screening if people wanted that i think from um from the response we've had just to questions that people want to ask i think everyone wants to see it so yeah if we can make that happen that'd be ace i can definitely send you the 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 information for the lady and you can talk to her that'd be amazing we- yes you're i mean what i love about this is that um you know you say that you know, you go through all this pain and you go through all the suffering and it's all captured on camera but the the effect that it has on people that watch it, and the effect that it has on other people who who are doing things, is is really inspirational. Do you do you feel like you? How does it feel like feeling you're an inspiration? So there's this is a struggle because <laughs> when I think of myself, I don't think, oh, I'm disabled, right? Like I, yeah, that's, you can't wake up every morning and go, oh, I'm disabled. <laughs> <laughs> what well, does that mean? I don't know. There's kind of a negative connotation to that, but. At the same time, I am vision impaired, which means that I um, go through my day using tools and uh, making sure that I can access different things in a different manner. Um, I think if me running, trudging, crawling through 900 kilometers over 20 days makes one other disabled person not feel trapped in their life because it's a very abled world out there, right? It's not mm. accessible for the the typical disability. And I think if, if that makes them feel not trapped and they're more likely to go even to the grocery store by themselves without panicking, then it's worth it. it. It sucked for me at the time, but it's worth it. The idea for me to go run in the trail for, for four hours for fun is way less intimidating than trying to cross the road at the grocery store on my own or mm-hmm. catch the bus right um, down the road, even though I don't have to cross the road to do that. It's like, well, the one day I was standing down there, it's stupid bright sun outside, I can't see a damn thing. And this guy on his riding lawnmower is cutting the grass, like the city worker, right? And they're zooming back and forth, and I'm like trying not to panic. I'm standing there perfectly still with my white can out, cane out going, oh, my God, don't run me over. But he knows he's not going to run me over. I don't know he's not going to run me over. I think um, you have to hold on to the fact that it means something to everybody, but it means different things to everybody. I also, I'm not a huge fan of the fact that in order to be accepted as um, quote unquote normal, that a disability has to reach beyond what would be normal, right? There's this, this term in theory, this super crypt, we have to be a super being to be accepted as even human. Yeah. Which you could take that pretty extreme. And then when you get into this whole, um, I mean, you've seen that the only disability is in your head, right? And has a picture of the girl with the two prosthetic limbs and she's running. And I mean, that's what we would call in, in this genre, this, this disability theory as uh, disabilities porn, right? Like you're staring at this for inspiration, but you have no yeah. idea that she's just out catching a ball, right? To her, it's like, just, she's having fun. Who yeah. cares? Um, but it, there's a balance. You have to have a place for the dialogue of disability in sport to even know that it exists. And I think the most recent Paralympics have, were were the best example so far of the possibility there. 
because disability in sport historically has has been meant for rehab. Take wounded soldiers, right, and you walk them through the process of trying to fit back into their lives, not, oh, look, you can be competitive too. And I'm honestly a really poor example of that. I'm not competitive at all. I'm just really stubborn. (laughs) (laughs) But if it means something to someone and they're going to go out and train, then that's awesome, right? That's, That's awesome. I went to this high school. I think three people that I went to high school with are, were in those Olympics, and that's phenomenal to to be able to say I know three people I went to high school like that's insane. But um, everyday disability is pretty hidden, and we keep it under wraps. And then yeah, you wouldn't be able to pick it out of a coffee shop kind of thing. Yeah, but the, but, the, but what you but what you're doing, what you're the races that you're doing. I mean, regardless of of you know, I know it's a bit of a strange thing, regardless of your disability. But they the fact that you're running them, even those distances without a disability is inspirational in itself <laughs> yeah. that's what it's like you're you know i think there's like able you know like we say like people that aren't disabled are finding you inspirational because you're just running like crazy distances and you're taking on challenges that um that are just generally crazy and and you're doing it with such um well such humor as well to go with it so i mean that's that i think uh, I think it sort of goes beyond that a little bit. There's definitely, there's yeah, there's this sort of place where you, to watch someone run 100 miles, regardless as to who it is, it makes you think, wow, that's, that's pretty damn cool. I wish I could do that. Well, I still think that, right? Like, I wish I could do that. And, and I've failed a number of times trying to do that. But at the, at the same time, you, um, you take that same picture and then you transpose this disabled person in it and... The whole idea of doing that becomes even more, oh, my goodness, well, now my excuses don't really exist. And I don't really know where my place in all of that is because a lot of um, disabled people will take offense to that. I think if it's helpful, then it, it that's advocacy at its best. So yeah. The thing is, there's is, there is a point where if I was uh, partially sighted, I might get a bit pissed off because I look a bit crap. <laughs> so I'd be like, well, run to Marines after doing 100 mile. <laughs> you just sat on your ass. I'm like, oh, bloody hell. <laughs> but, um, and, and there, yeah, there's there's a place for that too. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. It's amazing how you've worked that round to that way. That Basically, David's saying that you're both inspirational, but you're also pissing off Assholes. other people. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we had we had a set of quotes recently of uh, inspiring inspiring quotes. Do better, start. And one of them was, um, "Get off your ass and prove to everyone you're you're not as useless as you, as we all think you are." So, part of it kind of links back to that. And but what what was the trigger to to go from a standard distance, uh, you know, just just being a runner to then taking on these mammoth challenges? Um, the Bruce Trail was because there was an able-bodied uh, young man who was doing the trail. And then I thought, well, he was doing it. Everyone's cheering him on. They're wondering if he's going to break the record. Isn't that exciting? Are you kidding? He's 20. Like, he's fit. There's no way. This is a problem. How is this a problem? (laughs) If you take someone with a disability in there, and and would would people rally the same way? I really, I was just curious. Like, how does that, how does that even work? Nobody even thinks about disability fitting into that sort of niche of things. I mean, you, do you think about a blind runner at Barclay? No. Well, I mean, it's just a really random, I think I'd, I'm not really taking on the mammoth things as much as I'm taking on the things, the places you least expect to see a, a disabled athlete, period. 
And has there been an, an overprotective reaction from people, or I mean, how has the response been? I think they expect it now. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, I, I joke to people. I'd really like to be able to swim across Lake Ontario, um, but it's really, really cold. So. <laughs> okay well you could do that have fun with that instead of no you can't do that so i'm like oh crap that's not the same motivation <laughs> well, yeah, but i, I think they that... expect it they kind of they they'll even they'll send me things right have you looked at this this is kind of awesome um, um yeah <laughs> I could retire and just run things sure there's a, there's a few people who who definitely kind of over mother i guess when yeah. i when i went to tennessee there was definitely a lot of um you know, do you have your will in order comments? <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> it's very encouraging. <laughs> oh, dear. To be honest, I say that every time JD steps out of the house. It's true. He the does. shape he's in at the moment. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, by coincidence, last week, JD was talking about the Barclay Marathon because you've seen the documentary, I think, haven't you, JD? Yeah, it's, um, it's just popped up on Netflix. And so um, I watched it and uh, cried my eyes out. Um, and then I've just, I want other people to watch it and, and also say that they've been crying as well. So I, I, don't, I don't feel less of a man. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's not very well known in the UK. I think it's got such a, a big reputation in the ultra running community and, and just in the States in, in general. But um, yeah, tell us, tell us what the Barclay Marathon is and, uh, and why you decided it was a good idea. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, it's like your worst nightmare right <laughs> so do you know that place when you're in this ultra race or you're on a trail or you're doing a loop course right one of you said you did 21 mile loops in this in this park yeah. and you decide i'm just done i can't do this anymore i'm just done right so th- then you you walk off the course and you get in your car and you go home and you have a shower and you're happy and like there's bacon so when you're in the middle of an ultra run um perhaps you might have to hike to the next aid station and then say, um, I need, I need, you know, rescuing out kind of thing. They'll make sure you're done, done. And then they'll unpin your bib and there's this whole <laughs> ceremony of, okay, that's fine. We get it. You're at mile 80 of a hundred, but well, that's fine. We understand that's actually a hundred miles left in your head. But at the Barkley, like when you're out there and, and this whole concept of being out there is very, very true. There's no safety net. There's no escape. <laughs> so you you go to this park this frozen head state park and yeah. um at the whim of Lass, you take off into the forest and you've got a bib and you have to find based on a map that you've hand drawn and written descriptions like six pages of single space written descriptions by the way they're riddles of <laughs> how to find like between 10 and 14 different books on a, a marathon trail loop. So you maneuver your way from point to point, and when you find the books, if you find the books, you're supposed to tear out the page that is the same number as your bib. And then the idea is when you make it back to camp, then you switch your bib and you go out again. And you do that in one direction and then in the other direction five times if you're going to finish. So the five, five marathons. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and is I mean that the, so I've... the thing is that when you're out there, you have no markers. There's no flags. There's no course. There's no 
well, trail. You're down the side of a mountain, you're up the side of a mountain, you're crossing a creek, you're wondering, is is this the hollow tree you were talking about? Should I stick my hand in there? Really? Should <laughs> should I knock over this uh, rock to look for that book? Do I, do I really want to trudge back up that mountain did i come down the wrong valley oh god when does this end i'll be by by way by way of um a demonstration for um for the listener that um there was a guy who in the in the documentary i think he he gets part of the way around his second lap and quits but still has an eight hour walk to get back (laughs) to the start (laughs) which yeah if you can find the way out you have to walk your way out right so you, is it is it actually trail then or you're just in the middle of some random woods to start so there, there's definitely trails there it's funny because it, the instructions will say you know there's so we call it single track here but the, the, they, they refer to it as candy ass trail right if you find yourself on the candy ass trail well you're not on course so the state park is definitely set up for hiking and and when you're there just as a visitor, you're instructed to stay very specifically on their marked courses, right, on their marked trails. Yeah. And they're on the map, so you can you can see from one place to another where you, you could be in space or time. But you're kind of off in the middle of the space where there's nothing, right, except all of these mountains. And um, wondering when you get to die. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's set the route in an area not using the trails, essentially. That's right. Oh wow! Okay. And, and do you? <laughs> does he give you things like bearings? I mean, you, for example, give us these riddles. What? What? What would they be like? It's it's difficult for for me to to give you them only because I I didn't make it few through very many of them. One maybe um, that really baffled me. You mm. make your way down, you know, this particular section of the valley, and if you go too far east then you'll end up in some guy's property and he'll shoot you. So don't go that way. Um, <laughs> when you're on top of the hill, on top of the mountain, you have no idea. Am I too far east? Like, what would that mean? How would that look? Or and when you come down the, the edge, you're going to come to a place where you'll see either a gas pipe or you'll see nothing. Well, nothing in a forest pretty much looks a lot like nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> And then when you when you when you cross this stream bed, there'll be an overflow on the one side, and this is kind of a confluence where two would come together. And you know, um, there's some hollow trees, then that's where the, the the book is hidden. Well, coming down that particular mountain, we crossed probably six different confluences and ten million hollow trees. Mm. So. If you if you don't have a little piece of humor to go with you, it tends to be, yeah. So, yeah, every direction is almost trial and error. You've got to th- three times go to the left before you then realize it's the, the correct left. Or Right, and now put a mountain in that left, right? So. <laughs> oh, my word. What's, what's the, the elevation is what? Twi- it's, it's, the, it's like climbing Everest twice. It's the same. Er- so the Bruce, the Bruce Trail from end to end is apparently one. Right. I think that. I think that um, Barclays either two or three. Yeah, and that's if you don't get lost, right? <laughs> oh man! And so, um, so what was the story of your race then? So, how, how it's it's five laps. So, I mean, how many how many laps did you complete? So it's a, it's supposed to be twenty six miles per loop, right? <laughs> um, and I think we had, I want to say fourteen books on our loop on, and I could be wrong. 
I got to four, but we covered about a hundred kilometers. And I, I swear oh. I saw the same mountain in about six different directions. Because oh. you just, you climb up and down and over and, oh, no, I've seen that path. And up and down and over and, oh, I've seen that path. And um, it, it was just a, an exercise in, in getting lost. And so I was out for 30 hours. I brought enough food and water with me for maybe 15. Oh. We found the first water drop at... 11 i was lapped at book two right the, the two leaders of my year came through on their second round when we were struggling to find book two um which was hilarious like i, I was just in my head going yeah that that that's fitting <laughs> and, and um so we, we topped up water and that bought me a bit more time and of course you're not running right this is you should be running if you want to yeah. if you want to raise this but i wasn't running um so thankfully, I didn't need as many calories to keep going, but it got really, really, really cold yeah. uh, when we were, when the sun finally came up in the morning, you could see ice on the puddles. I know there were a couple of people who, who just hunkered down for the night together, right? They just like, all right, let's tuck in this little crevice of the rock and wait it out and we'll go home when, when the morning, when the sun comes up. Mm. Um, I think we quit at 13 hours. And I was still out there for 30, right? So. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and we got so lost going down what we assumed was Quitter Road that we turned around and came back and said, wow, we may as well look for book five again. We got sunlight now. Right? So just let's just keep going. It was it, it was an amazing experience. And I, and I think my biggest takeaway was we kind of feel invincible when you go out on a hundred miler and you've got an aid station every six miles yeah. and all you have to do is get from here to there and whatever is in between builds your character, right? Like it's, I get to cry, climb over that rock. I get to cross that Creek. I get to, to deal with that snake or that bear. I need to, uh, I think that everything in your life can be in this hundred mile race. You could just like a John Hughes movie or right it's all it's all right there your ups and your downs your peaks and your valleys everything but when you're out there when you're so so immersed in the the nothingness that could be your your the end of your everything right yeah. just the idea being i could starve like nobody knows where i am there's no safety net there's no you don't you don't write home to mom about this one I mean, are there some people still out there on the side of a mountain wondering yeah they're lost forever <laughs> so how did you um, find a guide for that then because that is you're essentially asking someone to be dedicate a superhuman amount of time to do this race and and to do it with you was, was it hard um the, the gentleman that did step forward to guide has been there before christian and i didn't find him the race director last he um, found him and he I think because he'd been there before yeah. it wasn't I need to conquer this this is my my beast right it was more oh my god I can't imagine how how a blind girl would get through this yes of course I want to be part of that adventure uh, but I hadn't met him he had never get guided from me before we showed up for that race it's funny that the more crazy and kind of out there your project is the more guides step forward to say yeah yeah I'll help you with that <laughs> and and how were your relations i mean when you fight when you face diversity and things go wrong that's when people start tearing each other apart i mean were you both good humored with each other the whole way through or were there fallouts or there fractions the only time i ever actually said anything was i think at the beginning um 
because other runners, and especially runners who have been to the Barkley, they tend to be climbers, they tend to be strong, they tend to be fast. Mm. Um, and he'd say, stay here and I'll go scout around. And I, I don't like to just stand still, right? That's not, I get that this is going to add hours to our day. If for you to not be able to scout ahead or back or figure out which side of the mountain we go, need to go on. But if I'm going to be part of this journey, we need to take every step together. If you think we're wrong, then we need to go back together. Um, no, I don't think, I think that we have a pretty strong bond because you can't, you can't share 30 hours with someone, you know, on a mountain without having this collective understanding that you're both crazy to begin with <laughs> yeah. to take on these things. Uh, he definitely, you know, I would be dead, right? Like, I've never climbed a mountain. I've never climbed down the side of a mountain where there's no trail before. He's, he mm. took my life into his hands. So there's there's no way that you can walk away from that and not be immensely grateful for the fact that they've given their time and effort to make that happen. And, and how do you feel about the whole experience now, looking back? Do you think that was too much, a bit off more than I could chew? Or do you think if I go back, I could change this? Or? If you don't bite off more than you can chew, why are you there, number one? To my favorite race, definitely. And, oh, wow. Um, and I wouldn't change a thing because it, it was perfect the way it was. It just it was the way it was meant to be, for sure. And uh, have you got plans to, because we've, we've already witnessed how stubborn you can be. <laughs> Is this one on the list for I will conquer you? There's, there's no way that I would ever finish five loops of that course. Yeah. I, I'm not fast enough. I'm I'm smart enough to know that I'm not fast enough. I could be as stubborn as ever. I would I would love to be able to finish one loop and say I made it through the course. So um, I remember, so I got to book four. I think officially on the course, that's maybe 12 kilometers, but I covered 100K. Whoa, that's so, crazy. <laughs> there's a heck of a lot more out there I haven't seen. I haven't climbed up the great big, you know, rat jar. I haven't gone under the prison. There are things that I just, I haven't, haven't taken in and been part of but there's also a lot of other things out there outside of the Barclay that are just as crazy or just as interesting that would I would love to go and do there was we had a question from um Kat Miller on the um on the podcast um group and said how gutted were you to find out that Laz had included a braille book but you didn't manage to make it that far I totally got to the braille book oh did you <laughs> <laughs> so the braille book was at the fire tower which is the place where most of the media happens and you'll you get lots of footage of that in the documentary if you go and watch it right um the Braille book, it's funny, he had warned that it was going to be there and he'd given everyone in their race kit this little index card of here's your numbers in Braille and how to figure them out. So, <laughs> so envision impaired and your instinct is to assume that I know Braille. I did happen to take lessons in it when I was in this residential school for the blind. So yeah, okay, I could read numbers, but I, I can't read so there's two there's grade one braille where every letter is spelt out and there's grade two braille where you've got contractions so the word and is now one letter because it takes up less room on the page i don't know mm. if that makes sense but yeah um so we we were lost and we ended up getting a ride that looped us back around to the entrance off the highway that led up to the fire tower. So we hiked up there, assuming that's where the media is allowed. There'll be a truck that can take us back to the camp, 
right? Somebody with a camera that's, oh, look, there's Rhonda failing at this wonderful, horrible thing. We'll take her back to camp. Well, there, it's a three or four mile hike up the side of the mountain and it's, it's actual road. So it goes all the way around the mountain several times. Um, and, and you get to the top and the Braille book's up there and that's where the second water drop was. So I thought, you know, I've been out here for 20 some odd hours. Nobody knows if I'm alive or dead. I should, and I can't, they, they find out where you are by going to these books and seeing if you've ripped out your page, right? That's their safety net. Oh, okay. So I thought I'll take my page. So at least they'll know I've been here. They they can go to book four and they can see that's as far as I got. They see five, six, seven, eight. Those pages are still there. But if I took my page from book nine, they'll know that I've been here. So I'm, I do you know a dot matrix printer, right? Where the pages are attached yeah. It comes on a roller. Yeah, it's, so that's the way the Braille books are printed, the same sort of thing. And this book was obviously some kind of textbook or something like that. It had been printed off the printer but never ripped apart and bound with a spiral bounding. And people were just tearing one page off. So I was reading, I was reading, I was reading, and you're folding the page up and down. I'm, I'm trying to find the, the spot on the page where the page numbers are, and I couldn't find them. I couldn't find them. There's no marker. There's no place for it. It's, at the very beginning, somebody had pulled Christian and I aside and said, here, stand on the slug, we want a picture. And we missed Laz's instructions to say, I'm not going to read the Braille to make sure you got the right page. Just take a page. Oh, okay. So it definitely, I got to the Braille book. I saw the Braille book. There were no page numbers on the Braille book. And it wouldn't have mattered. They weren't checking anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so like, what do I do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to, I'm, so I'm, I'm going through my personal belongings, trying to figure out if I leave this bandana here. Well, they know that I've been here, that kind of thing. And then we trudged back down to the road and hitchhiked a ride all the way around back to the main entrance of the park. It was, it was probably, um, he probably put a Jacob there and it was something like navigation for dummies was the, the Braille book, or something like that. Just to, uh, something like that. Just, yeah. <laughs> just to wind you all up. <laughs> so if, if one of us was potentially thinking of doing it, then would you recommend it? And what would your advice be? Um, <clears throat> I, I would, I would want to know what your reasons for wanting to do it are first. If you, yeah. you know, if there's some kind of fear or some kind of, I, I would just want to go out there and experience that. Or if it's, if it's more specific, I want to test my navigational skills. I want to see if I can climb mountains. I want to know why before I gave you any any suggestions or tips on if you should go. Uh, I think that that's the kind of experience you you can't put a value on because again, I think we tend to have a lot of first world problems. Oh, my job isn't the way I want it to be. My my car's brakes need to be fixed. I don't have the money for that. I've got all these little things. My kids are acting up, whatever. But man, when you have to carry every single thing you, you need to survive and you're out there for so long and nobody is coming to get you there everybody mm-hmm. who has ever quit in that race has ever has always self-extracted from the course. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how, because I don't know how they found themselves on the map. They, they obviously were way better at navigation than I was. Um, I think that it's it's a reality check. It's you're in it. You get one life. Use it every day because it's gone when it's gone, right? And, and nobody is going to come. Oh, here, have some skittles. Don't <laughs> keep running. It's just not real life. It's not. I oh, know that's amazing. So, um, I mean, following something like Barkism, where do you go after this? Are you have you got to up it, or are you now retiring <laughs> from the extreme events? 
What's up from there? I don't know. Um, my goal is a double anvil in March in Orlando. What's an anvil? An anvil is an Ironman distance triathlon. So a double anvil is a double Ironman. And is that uh, done? The, the, both swims together. Both yes. cycles together. So okay. four point eight miles of swimming, two hundred twenty-four miles of tandem biking. And then two marathons. Oh wow! Okay, um, and how how do you tra- do you do you have different people will be on each leg? This particular race, no. So apparently there are these really crazy people out there that do these ultra triathlons, and they um, they do up to like ten times an Ironman. The, the the guy who stepped forward to guide for me has done um, up to up to four, I think. So he's what? familiar with the feeling of getting through. I think a double for him is like, you know, when you're training for a marathon and someone says, let's go for a 10K run. So I think we'll be okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's crazy. So um, we've got some questions from the from the group then. So, so one of them, you mentioned that Barkley was probably your favorite race. That was their question. Though. But uh, what else would you say have been your favorite races that you've done? I really don't like the race. I don't. I don't like that when you turn the time on and I have to then keep a speed. Um, I I think that makes me nervous because I'm, I'm definitely a very slow mover. Mm. Uh, my living room walls are decorated in trail maps. I like getting a trail map book and going from end to end and being left alone in the woods, alone being a figurative term because I have a guide runner with me. Mm. Um I like taking the time to, I live on the Grand Valley Trail, so um, I just, we go out and we'll do like a 30K section and in little bits and pieces here and there and collectively go through time working at these badges, right? You get a badge for completing a trail from end to end. Mm. Um, that's definitely way more my scene, if there was a scene. I'm far more interested in swimming than running, but it's more difficult to get to the pool than it is to run two kilometers to the trail. Um, I think I haven't really done any really super exciting races except for the Barkley, right? It's definitely just been try this out. I liked my 48 hour run because you got to do what you could in the time that you were given instead of here's the distance, make it from end to end. Um, I liked, I went to the the ghost train ultra last year and it's a, a rail bed, which sounds terribly boring, but it actually was wonderful because you go from end to end and back again, right? That's seven and a half miles. You just keep going back and forth and back and forth for 30 hours. So I had a guide runner from the beginning through the daytime hours. And then when most people were picking up their pacers for the night, I was off on my own alone, remembering um, the things that had been called to me through the day. I love that. There was like these old rail ties buried in the in the terrain, this really old rail bed, and I remember him calling, you know, tie tie, step over tie tie tie, 117 times. So I'm out there talking to myself in the middle of the yeah. night, and people are like, "What is wrong with that lady?" <laughs> you you remembered awesome. where each of the ones each of them were, and well, so on that particular course, they had scented candles in pumpkins, and I knew at the moment that the, the candles started to smell in the distance that I was getting oh, wow. close. But there's just these things that you kind of go through in your head and and then the sun came up and my guide came back out so 
that's tough for them because he's running 30 miles with me on the one day and then maybe another 30 the next day or whatever it was. Yeah, I don't, I don't um, feel for him in any way. Yes, <laughs> it's one thing to, to do the last 40 miles with someone, I think, because then you're all at once and you're just out there and, and you're not moving fast because they're not moving super fast. But he started with me at my go speed, which to him was still a break, but it's definitely a longer or a harder push than if he tagged on at the end. And then he had to sleep for a while and get back up and do it again <laughs> and not worry about me in the middle, right? Like, oh, yeah, she's fine. It's just my friend out there. <laughs> <laughs> And, and so, have you had any horrific kind of horror story race experiences there, though? Um, lots of animal experiences, right? We don't have super scary, you know, cougars or anything like that. But yeah, there's definitely bears here and snakes. Um, they're not. I think bears scary. are pretty scary, to be honest. <laughs> I mean. they, they tend to be, and I haven't actually seen them, but I've heard them. I haven't been close enough to been like, in my face, but um, I told you in the Bruce, like someone would be a few paces ahead and then someone would be right in front of me, right? And we were going down these switchbacks kind of in and around. And in the one section, we obviously, the three of us, surrounded the bear den, right? You could you could tell from the growls that, that this bear was not impressed yeah. because we were too because we're talking we're making noise we're all of us were making noise to communicate with each other and it still was just pre-dawn so we called the the scout back and said we i think we should just stick together because then the bear will be less threatened if we're all on one front right and coming around and you have to use your common sense but my biggest fear is always if i'm out alone i won't see them i won't know yeah. which way i think that reaction time will just be very very different i would say all of my my oh these are horrific moments have been it just when I'm coming on a road and I'm alone and somebody's pulling out of a Tim Hortons right in the coffee shop and they're looking for cars coming from the left, but I'm coming from the right running. Uh -huh. And I yeah. think we've made eye contact, but I can't tell because I can't see in the car. And apparently we haven't because then I'm like, oh, no, no, barreled down into the road. But there's a lot of risk in escarpment running. So the Bruce Trail was all on the very edge of escarpment drop off. That's yeah. that's people would say you know don't take any steps to your left because you'd be within inches of falling and i just i mean you could hear it you could tell but i didn't know it was that bad and looking back at the, <laughs> the videos now I think, oh, oh wow <laughs> <laughs> so in some ways in some ways it's a blessing that you can't see some of, the, some of these things wow <laughs> it's definitely an adventure that's for sure that's for sure. We've um, got a, a question from um, uh, Steve Lovell in the group. Have you found some races boring? If so, why? Some people with sight complain that if a course isn't pretty, it can be boring. But with when um, if you're if you're a blind runner, you can imagine there are different factors at play. I think the boredom can settle in when again I would have to say this is sort of a loop course phenomenon for me, right? Where I know enough of what's coming that I can let go of thinking about it. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. So I've done a one mile loop, um, outrun 24, and it has it has a fair number of, of hills. It's, a, it's easy terrain to run, but it has this one great big hill, and then it swerps it all the way around to the left, and you're making all these left-hand turns every single time. And I think maybe that's not boring as much as it is painful to know you're about to go back down that or back up that, that kind of thing. Um, we have a race here close to my hometown, uh, London, Ontario. They've got that, that damn hill, and it's a two and a quarter kilometer loop of asphalt in a in a park and it, again you think 
okay, you've guided me through this a number of times. Now the sun goes down. I'm just going to keep doing it. I'm just going to keep doing it. And then the moon comes up and you're like, oh yeah, not bored anymore. It's just, it, you have to just find a place where you appreciate the fact that you're, you're present. And I, I think the whole boredom and I don't feel like running today, that's very, very different since I've gone to Berkeley for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so are, are you, do you ever come to Europe? Have you got any plans to come to the UK? Cause I know Sheena Parry's a, um, she's a, a, a guide runner so she's uh, she'd love to run with you if that's a, a possibility I, I mean it's my teleport machine is in the shop but otherwise <laughs> I would love to I would absolutely love to but it's definitely uh something I have to save my pennies for yeah it will I mean if if there's anything we can do to help with that you know you're more than welcome to uh spare bedrooms in the do batter community I'm sure we'll put you up and um we'll even think about the best races that you can do over here for getting some amazing experiences that would be wonderful well i'm just having a quick flick through the rest of the questions i think we've covered most of them have you got any more jody um no i don't think so brilliant well thank you so much for coming on the podcast it's been just amazing i I haven't well i I think the do batters in general we all need to go out and try running a little bit of trail blindfolded with friends just to get sense I have to know what this park run is. I'm sorry, I can't let you go until you tell me what a park run is. <laughs> so, what, have you? So, park runs are—they might be coming to Canada soon. There might even be some there. They're a free event that's put on every Saturday in parks all across the UK. Now it's, it's spread around the world. 5K runs where you sign up for free, you get a barcode. And at the end of it, they scan your barcode and you get emailed your times and your placing. Just a really, really good way of bringing people who wouldn't normally run into into, into being runners. Um, and it's timed. But, the key thing, the key thing about it is that it's timed. So you know, you have a you have a five k time that you can keep trying to beat, and that's the thing. It's you know, for a lot of people, that's the only. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. That's the that's the thing. But it's not a race. Whatever they say, it's not a race. <laughs> not a race. <laughs> Even though they tell you your finishing position, finishing position per age. It's not a race. It's not a race. Yes. <laughs> I race to the coffee machine in the morning, so I don't buy it. But okay. Yeah, but we've um, we've had a few run-ins with them in the past, and that they're not particularly fond of, uh, of the fact that, that people are coming out with silly names um, in in the Dubai community. Which they've they've tried to ban those, and we've uh, we've tried to put on a, we've tried to find the smallest one where we can all go en masse and just almost overwhelm it, and they they're not too keen on that either. So we absolutely love them, but they don't really love us. No, no. Oh, I see. I and see. The, and the other th- the other thing that we don't love, which I I mean I need to warn you about this because if you do ever come over to the UK um, and people offer you um, um, a marathon to run. Um, you have to, at all costs, avoid Edinburgh Marathon, um, yeah. unless, unless, of course, you want to have a Barclay type experience and, <laughs> and, and not drink um, for the entirety of a marathon. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, it's it's known as the worst marathon on earth, but um, we we don't know if people in America are aware of that yet. Uh, we think Is they it, might. Be... But spread the word. Not... Somebody, maybe that was the podcast I was listening to, and how it was difficult to get there. And oh, that's right, Susie. Susie agrees with us as well. She's had a horrible experience. Yeah, 
So um, if you if you come to Edinburgh, they'll probably do things where they'll they'll have flashlights all the way around just to so you can't see properly. They'll probably put on really heavy music so you can't hear your guide runner. That that's the kind of thing they just do inadvertently, I'd imagine. So uh, when I used yeah. to do road racing, I would pin bells to my guide runner shoes so that I could pick them out of the crowds. So I so, so actually a Morris dancer would be a perfect <laughs> a perfect pacer for you. You might not know what a Morris. Do you know what a Morris no. dancer is? No. <laughs> this is so, one that this is one that you need to Google. I don't think you're, there's I any think way I'm of explaining Google this. It. There's no way of explaining this without it sounding the well. It is the weirdest thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> It will make you laugh just seeing the grown men actually do this. Um, there, there are equivalent of, I was going to say Mounties, not really, but what? there are. <laughs> They're nothing like Mounties. Mounties is a terrible, terrible. What? Like I'm trying to think of a really traditional Canadian dress, attire. A hockey jersey? Yeah, it's, it's the British equivalent of a hockey jersey. <laughs> well, no, it's some grown men, oh, and women, doing, it's, I think it goes back to, like, pagan times, and what they do is they wear bells and stuff, they wear white outfits with bells and hats, and then they Oh, do, goodness, they white's do, invisible, that would they, be awful. And they do, like, a, sti- like a stick dance where they skip around, hitting sticks together with bells on. It sounds, it sounds ridiculous, but actually the reality is more ridiculous so yeah you'd think it's a will ferrell sketch the whole thing he just made it up uh, it's that type of, it's 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 really i mean in terms of british history we've we've done some pretty horrific things in africa you know we we have murdered millions of people but probably morris dancing is more it's the of a worst blight. it's worse yeah, yeah it's morris shame, dancing is morris worse dancing. than genocide i think it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a point yeah. we're trying to make so the takeaway lesson being there you go. that's it so what we need to do is basically we need to get sheena parry to uh to dress, dress up like as that. a morris dancer <laughs> and we'll go to the edinburgh marathon and, and oh my <laughs> goodness edinburgh. if you could combine all of those my head would be blown you know it just explode <laughs> that would be an amazing episode <laughs> We'd do a live, a live, uh, a live Facebook link. I'm in. <laughs> brilliant. I'm in, really, well, brilliant. well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been just incredible, um, yeah. or inspiring, and hopefully, it means that the do badders sat on their couch doing nothing will actually think <laughs> if uh, I haven't got any excuses to not get out there and run now. Yeah, I think this is this is an episode that so many do badders have been really looking forward to, and it hasn't disappointed. So thank you so much, Rhonda. See, it just goes to show you you should check the other inbox on your. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the do badders could have had this months and months ago. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I mean, as you said, uh, Rhonda Marie, if you if you want if you ever want to come to Europe, if you need some help with logistics in the UK, let us know. We'll um, we'll more than happily put you up, take you out, show you um, show you a do bad experience over here. That's wonderful. And likewise, if you head over this way, brilliant. Well, thanks again. And thanks um, again. Any questions, do badders, um, put them in the group, and we'll get them across to Rhonda Marie. I'm sure you're going to have a lot. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's been an absolute it's been pleasure. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You cut out again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll, uh, yep, she's gone. (laughs) How awesome was that? That was great, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I just wanted to listen and listen and listen forever, really. Yeah, it was good, wasn't it? Good. I don't know. I don't know anyone that's done the Barclays uh, marathons, and now I do. So I'm pretty happy with that. Well, um, even because Barclays marathons, something I've looked at quite a few years ago and just thought this is clearly just for for nutters like just 
beyond not it's not one of those events that you think of as that looks really hard it just looks like a complete lottery i in well the thing is if i think about you doing it i think <laughs> is there enough running for you to think it's a race yeah it's difficult yeah. to tell it's difficult to go because the guy the guys that win it they're clearly running but there's a lot of it when it's not running so i don't know whether you whether you'd think it was a race you know um it's more like duke of edinburgh award isn't it <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly the same as the Duke of Edinburgh Award. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did that when I was younger. <laughs> but you don't get to see the Duke at the end, sadly. Oh. I mean, there's so many great. I mean, you haven't you haven't watched the documentary yet, but um, the uh, the whole thing was based on um, uh, James Earl Ray's um, escape from the prison, um, <clears> and he he was gone for like 48 hours. And um, they thought, oh, he's, he's gone miles. And he got eight miles away from the prison. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. And the whole, re- no, the whole reason that, that it was set up was because um, um, Lazarus Lake said, I could have done 100 in that time. And so he set the race up on the basis of that. Um, has he ever had to do his own race? Well, I don't think he has at all. But he was he was like one of like the first ultra runners. I mean, like I, they used to go running like well before like ultra running was a thing or trail running and stuff. Yeah. Um, they used to go running in those like woods and stuff like that. And you know, he sort of laughs at like the modern phenomenon of trail running because you you know it's pretty much road running to to what they were they were running on in all those all those years ago. But um, so yeah, he did. But I mean, I don't. He doesn't. He doesn't look like he's done running in a in a while. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like yeah, when you during the spoils sits. when you when you start a race by lighting a cigarette, it pretty much tells you that he's probably not in the best shape that he's ever been. Apparently, it wards off bears. That's why. Yeah, the, uh, the smoke. <laughs> what? Because it's invite only, isn't it? Uh, you have to. You have to apply. I think you can apply. You have to try and find out what the. Um, instructions are for impl- applying, so that's one thing. They don't they don't publish them, so you have to find yeah. out from someone who has run it how to apply. And we know okay. someone now. And then you yeah. have to apply, I think, on a single day in the year, and you have to pay the the entry fee um, at the time. And um, and then they yeah they select it. But yeah, watch. Oh, you, it, we, let's talk about it more when you've watched the documentary because it, there's so much to talk about in it. But I don't think I can get it because I'm not on Netflix, and um, I, I normally obviously on, never it, illegally download anything. It's on the web torrents anywhere. It's on the website. They've got um, they've got it on the website. Um, I think there's a, sp- a specific website for it that you can uh, you can download it from. Oh, brilliant! Okay, well we'll post that. We'll post the link in the Facebook community as well, because a part of me thinks it's, it's something to what I think we should try it. <laughs> we should try it. I don't know. The more yeah. I the more I hear about it, the more I want to do it, but. Watch it first. I mean, like, there's a there's. It's it's funny because you think, oh, you know, you go there to do um, five laps and to finish it and stuff like that. And then when people don't finish it, you think, oh, they failed. But they, a lot of them, really have gone to the to the peak of what they can achieve, and they leave perfectly happy. So I've done one lap and I'm perfectly happy, and I don't have to do anything else. Um, But the year that they filmed it, the documentary they did, um, there was. for the first, well, actually, I don't want to ruin it. I don't want to ruin it because there's, um, okay, it's it's good. So uh, yeah, so actually, I don't want to ruin it. I don't want to give any spoiler away for anyone, but just um, just watch it. I think that's the that would be the that would be the best thing. But I mean, it's, it sounds like if there's a race where when you get to the, back to the start line, you're thankful that you you're still alive. I think that's why everyone's happy because if you're so happy because you've done 15 hours of trying to get back to the start line having bailed then yeah you're happy to finish 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. There's there's part of me. It, it, do you know what? A lot of it, fits, it seems like like the running version of the Blair Witch Project. It just seems <laughs> to be alone. It, it's like that sort of terrain. It's just it looks horrible. It doesn't look pretty at all. It's not like th- it's like a beautiful race that you could do. You just think, why why do it? Do you think we should sign up Josh Stevens to it as punishment for, <laughs> for, not, for not dressing up properly? He's been protesting. He's been protesting that he he did some walk and stuff. But I've seen him. Um, I've seen him. Uh, what's he called? Photos of the uh, the start of that, and he. He didn't look like he was talking smack or walking right at the <laughs> No, he, he certainly wasn't. Yeah. He certainly And he wasn't dressed to the max. He could have had... I mean, he could have done a, a loose Stuart Francis and, and dressed with all the water bottles that like he did for his park run and done that for the steeplechase. But uh, no, he was... He's too competitive. No, oh, no, absolutely. Too, he just... He, he forgot to do bad away. He did. He forgot. He did. He, um, before, we, before we sign off on this... Well, it's been an excellent episode. Um, I have a piece of news for you. Okay. Which Are you made... pregnant? No, no, it's, it's, it's bigger than that. It's, um, oh, wow. This, this, and I, if I say this will fundamentally change the podcast. Have we got a sponsor? We haven't got a sponsor. We're better than that. Oh. Have we got a new microphone? No, it's better than that. We have a new um, theme tune. Oh, is it Pato Banton? It is! Because he's oh. personally given us permission to use it. <laughs> oh, no way. Are you kidding me? No, he has personally oh. given us permission to use Baby Come Back as our... <laughs> How has that happened? <laughs> this, is the, this is the best news ever. Oh, my God. I've been trying Tell to... me through it. So, basically, so, yeah, a while back I, I emailed and... Um, and I did my whole, uh, I did all my whole, like, you know, what's it called? Talk about, <laughs> talk about all the benefits. And I say, you know, how would it, because uh, I wrote to um, his management and said, oh, yeah, how would you like, um, basically, you know, we're, we're a running community. Um, we can get, um, you know, Pat, Pato's <laughs> yeah, How do you explain this? I know, exactly. No, how, yeah. <laughs> how, how would it, uh, how would you like to have Pato's music, like, to at least 1,000, <laughs> 2,000 listeners per episode? <laughs> I'm not sure whether that that won it or not, and I just and I just did the whole. Well, we absolutely love Pato. Um, it'd be great, you know. It would make a massive difference to us. I know that we're not, you know, a massive podcast or anything, but uh, but it'd make a huge difference. Do you think they were even monitoring that mailbox? <laughs> I don't know. I, I was tracking email, so I knew it it was being opened every now and then. So for like for like a like a few like weeks and stuff, it there's a bit more activity on it. And then because I sent it to whoever was re- responsible for his like PR or, or I don't know who was responsible. <laughs> the thing is, what people forgetting is that actually he's in the US now and he is touring still and he's still doing stuff. It's not as if he's like we thought you know he completely like disappeared and was working in a McDonald's or something like that. But he actually is, you know still like a, a, a sort of a big uh, sort of reggae star in his own right um, out in uh, out in the US. And so I was thinking, oh, I don't know, don't need to come back. And then all of a sudden, I get an email from Pato himself. No way! From oh, pa- amazing! Yeah, let me just let me show it to you. Oh yes! <laughs> what a legend! Oh, what an absolute legend! So, <laughs> <laughs> so we have we have permission to now use Baby Come Back as our official fucking theme. Do you team. think? Do you think he's ever listened to the podcast? Well, I suggested episodes for him to listen to. Wow. I mean, that, it would be the most confusing thing if you're him. Well, it would, yeah, it would be confusing. Apart from the fact that you know his um, his music's listen, you know, is, is pretty much repeated every single every single episode. Let me let me copy you into this. Maybe. <laughs> Have you shown him the video for the goodness shakes? 
No, 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 I haven't. <laughs> oh, wow, this is such good news. So does that mean, are you going to start this episode with the music no, and not tell anyone? No, 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 everyone is finding out as you find out. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think we should start it with the music so that people are confused. No, I don't think they'll be confused. They'll just be like, oh, oh, look, I see they've stolen the music and they've not bothered with copyright. Amazing. So he just writes, hi, JD, this is Pato. And yes, you have my permission. <laughs> Boom! Oh, my God. That is the coolest thing I think, ever. I think, I, think we have to, I think there needs to be some kind of um, uh, like Twitter um, hashtag of thank you, Pato. Or, oh, there needs to be. Or something like oh, that. I don't massively. know. But yeah, so we, we've, got, yeah, we've got permission to use it, man. And I, what I love about it is it doesn't really make sense as an intro song. Other than... <laughs> Dude. We can use an outro as well. The but a bye 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 but a bye 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 bye. Eddie, can you cut that in? Dude, I don't. Bye 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 bye. I don't think I don't. We, we don't make sense as a running podcast. So it... <laughs> <laughs> amazing. This is oh wow. Okay, uh, brilliant. Well, what a, what a way to end a podcast. I've had to keep this secret for. I, I've, I've been holding this for like you can see lots. How many days ago? Four days ago or something. Oh, um, came through, and the thing is, you can't tell anyone because no one will give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> if you tell them, they'll be like, "What? So why do I care in any way?" <laughs> it's true. Oh, amazing! It's true. Oh, dear, dear. Oh, oh my man. god, I'm gonna. Oh no, I've, t- I've got to keep this quiet now. As- don't I for another four or five days yeah yeah till it comes out well um we've actually got so many things to catch up on from uh, the do badders have been doing been, some it, stellar it behavior been crazy in the group hasn't it it's uh, people have like people the stuff people are suggesting to do and uh, um well have you got time now to just run through a few things no okay no. okay no 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 let's 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 do it in another in another podcast when they're um we've, we've had enough awesomeness already haven't we in this podcast yeah, so. absolutely brilliant well um i guess it's it's we've got to sing it together but a bye 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 bye